Welcome to Dancing Dog Blog. I'm your host, Mary Haight, and today we're talking about what's in the news with chicken jerky treats from China. Nestle Purina and Wagon Train have agreed to a $6.5 million settlement with pet parents affected by their treats. FDA's recent update numbers of those at 5,600 dogs sickened, 24 cats and 3 people with 1,000 dogs dead. Approximately 1,800 cases have been reported in just the past six months. Terry Safranik and Tracy atkinson Bagata, two of the six co-founders of the Facebook group Animal Parents Against Pet Treats Made in China, are here to give us the news this group has worked so long and hard for. They were the gathering spot for so many of these victims to share their losses, help them sort through their evidence, organize reports to the FDA, provide information to reporters, and stay active in their communities until they got results. It's a pleasure to have you with us, Terry and Tracy. Could you tell listeners a little bit about who you are, why, and when you got involved in Animal Parents Against Pet Treats Made in China? Terry, why don't you start us off? Uh, my road started on this when my Samson got ill in late December 2011, and uh, two weeks later, this healthy pup was dead from acute renal failure, and it was a mystery. I and others got online looking for what this could be, and we found each other. We found that what we had in common was wagon train chicken jerky treats from China. And our stories were so similar, it was shocking. We learned about the FDA's lack of warnings that the that reached the public. And so we decided to band together, and we realized we had to do something to warn people and get the products off the shelves. Well, that's when we started Animal Parents Against Pet Treats Made in China. We've come a long way since then. We've evolved a lot and, and uh, had a lot of victories, and here we are still fighting. And uh, Tracy, would you like to jump in? Uh, yeah, actually, my two dogs that consumed wagon train jerky treats are among the survivors, which actually is, um, we hope, more than the fatalities. Um, my girls both have to take daily medication now, but um, we're here, we're in the fight, and I'm working with a really great group of people. Can you give people who may not know, and I'm, I'm, I know that they're out there, a quick summary of the chicken jerky treat problem? How many years has this been a problem? This is Tracy, and the, the dangers of the chicken jerky treat uh, saga has been going on basically since 2007. Um, that's when the first... FDA complaints started to surface. The escalation of uh, fatalities and complaints really took off in 2011 and 2012. And we kind of attribute that to the fact that Nestle Purina bought Wagon Train and really kind of saturated the market with that product. Um, also, at that time, the, the, the chicken jerky treats became extremely popular. And we've since found out that the majority of those treats came from um, just a handful of the same facilities in China. So they were all kind of just sharing uh, the same treat under a different label. Uh, the the largest of the companies, which were Nestle Purina Wagon Train and their Canyon Creek Ranch, and at the time Del Monte's Milo's Kitchen, they were the largest uh, amount of complaints. Um, there were other brands such as Dogswell, Kingdom Pets, Beef Eaters, Vitalife, uh, AKC, just countless generic store brands that were also being um, submitted to the FDA for illnesses. Some of them uh, were also fatalities. And we were really, really floored by the amount of information uh, that was to be had, but had not been disseminated to the general public. We 
went through a huge learning curve. Uh, the FDA really had no power to force a recall for these treats uh, because they had not identified at the time um, or still today an exact known toxin. During this time, uh, the Food and Safety Modernization Act was being signed into law. Uh, it was finally going to give the FDA the tools to have so much more power. Um, the EU, there were even certain provisions that could have saved our pets had they been in place at the time. Um, a particular part of the FSMA is the Section 211. Uh, it gives the FDA the authority to require retailers to post notices at point of sale for any products that they have issued alerts, cautions, warnings on. And they had been doing that on the chicken jerky treats, as we said, back as far as 2007. And the one thing that kept falling from the mouth of every victim we came into contact with was, if only we had known. So now they, they have that power. But and if the, it's at that point of sale, that, that would make an incredible difference. Oh, absolutely. Because then you have the right there at that moment, you have the knowledge to make an educated choice about what you're going to purchase. It's akin to having a warning on a cigarette package. You know, it, here's a product that's known to harm others. <laughs> Do you want to purchase it? But the the FSMA the, has been held up at the um, financial office uh, and Congress hasn't funded it. So we've kind of just had some funding go through on that. We delivered one of our major petitions, which was uh, to ask the FDA post consumer warnings where we could see them. And um, the result of that petition is that they have actually moved uh, that point of <laughs> warning into a pre-ruling, they call it. So it's moving forward. It's been a, <laughs> a long, tough haul, but it, it is coming. It, it really is indicative of the time it takes to get anything done in Congress, and it must be a very frustrating job when you're talking about the Food Safety Modernization Act of 2011, and it's not funded. Right. <laughs> in- yeah, it's a law, but it's just not funded. It, they move at glacial it's, speed. By the way, though, this is, uh, besides the Section 211 that's moving forward now that you know, we think it was because of our petition um, that it's it's actually come out of the Office of Budget and Management and is being funded. So, as Tracy was saying, one of our major petitions was called FDA, post-consumer notices where we can see them. And uh, we got, you know, tens of thousands of signatures. Our good friend Tony Corbo of Food and Water Watch in Washington uh, has always helped champion our case. He hand-delivered it within three weeks we found out that it had been moved from the Office of Budget Management to the next phase, the advanced notice of pre-rule, which means they have, I think it's 90 days maybe, where they have to have public commentary. Of course, these things, like I said, work at glacial speed, why they need 90 days, but they have to actually write the actual uh, rules. So they ask for public comment. So in our group, we went crazy, you know, telling everybody to comment. We made it as easy as they as we could, gave them some copy and paste pointers, and we got a lot of comments. So we're hoping that when they do, when it does come time for that ruling, they will look favorably on the things that we're asking for. Oh, and by the way, Tracy, were you going to say about that, uh, that other comment from that lobbying group? I think one of the, the, it's become really clear to us that all of the hard work that we put into that petition 
And as Terry said, having our group really go after putting in those public comments, we made a statement. And one of the ways we know we made a statement is because just today, the American Feed Industry Association um, filed comments with the FDA requesting an exemption of animal food from the provisions made to the uh, Section 211 of the FSMA, uh, as well as the reportable food registry section, which is a whole other section. But according to the American Feed Industry Association, in their opinion, they do a fine job of regulating everything that has to do with pet food, pet treats, and animal feed, and they want to be exempt. We, of course, are going to um, continue to lobby against that lobbying group. So it does feel like we got, you know, we certainly got some people's attention with it. Yes, I, I, I guess you did, and I'm speechless at that response. <laughs> <laughs> we were a little speechless, too, <laughs> but we won't be for long. My, oh, my. Yes. Can you talk a little bit about the New York findings? Yeah, let me just go back a little and talk about how this progressed. Back in 2012, one of our first things we did together, we started a petition saying Nestle Purina stopped selling chicken jerky from China, and we got over 70,000 signatures on that. So that was one thing. And um, also, right about the same time, the first big class action lawsuit against Nestle Purina and Del Monte, the biggest sellers of it, that's when they were started. And a few others jumped in. Like, lawyers weren't crazy to take this, but across the country there were several against Nestle Purina and a couple against Del Monte. And separately they joined together. All the Nestle Purina uh, class action lawsuits joined, and then eventually the Del Montes did too. Uh, with the Nestle Purina being the biggest one. And in fact, that's the one that affected all of us, mostly all of us as the administrators. Um, so we had our big petition. We had the class action lawsuits. And um, during this time, the FDA continued testing. They, they, they always did try testing, but they never could find anything. They went to NASA. They went to private labs. And at one point, they sent samples to the New York Department of Agriculture, and they have uh, some new state-of-the-art testing equipment, and they found something. They found that chicken jerky treats had trace amounts of antibiotics, which are illegal in the United States, but legal in the rest of the world. So, But for some reason, the FDA still couldn't force a recall because everybody just claimed that these tiny traces couldn't cause harm. And, you know, how suspicious is this that the ones that with the, the petitions against them, the one that are uh, being accused in these lawsuits. Those are the ones that uh, are tested and found to have these antibiotics, giving them a reason to take them off the shelf without admitting any liability. Um, so these traces were found, and like I say, the pressure was mounting. So suddenly, miraculously, in January 2013, those brands, just those brands, Nestle's uh, Wagon Train at Canyon Creek and Del Monte's Milo's Kitchen, were voluntarily re- recalled by the companies. It was... The best day ever. We rejoiced. Um, we couldn't believe that they were they were pulled. This terrible product that had hurt so many of our pets. The vast amount was gone, but there are still so many others. All the other little ones, but the empty shelves was it was fantastic, and we were just thrilled. We thought, you know, we knew less pets were going to be harmed, and we thought that we were hoping this was the beginning of the end, but it wasn't really quite. They always have tricks up their sleeves. <laughs> 
So most of them are still, they're still on, uh, the other brands were still on the shelf. And then a year later, Wagon Train reintroduced them, this time with new promises about their testing and their manufacturing, but they were still from China. Tracy, anything to add? I would like, there, there were a couple of others that um, were part of that voluntary withdrawal. Uh, they were fairly small, like the debt, things like that. But what's really important to note, I think, is during, during the withdrawal, um, the remaining brands, for instance, Dogswell, AKC, Kingdom Pets, they continue to have more complaints filed against those brands. Um, and also at that time, I think what is really, really important to note is that um, the FDA did finally reach out to veterinarians in a, in a real concentrated way. And it, um, it really produced some results, I think, with the FDA finally reaching out to veterinarians. How many years passed before they asked? For help. Well, that was, what, six years? And it was right in that time of the 2012 that they started reaching out to private labs, to NASA. They, mm-hmm. they got serious about it, but they didn't find anything still. We've heard now that they're, now they're reaching out to the CDC. Yes. Uh, was it not 2012 when they went to China? Yes. They went to China and they, uh, Intending to uh, investigate five, the five fa- main facilities, they only got to see four of them, and they were not allowed to take any samples. They were not allowed to test them off-site, so really they got nothing. We saw their reports from there, and they're so heavily redacted that you can't even read them. And they they admit they were strong-armed by the Chinese government. And then you went to Washington. What happened there? And were there other groups representing this issue? We did go to Washington, um, and yes, there were other groups. Representative Rosa DeLauro from Connecticut uh, invited us to participate in a congressional briefing on chicken from China, and that was really brought about by the USDA's new approval of allowing U.S. raised chickens to be sent to China <laughs> For processing and then sent back here for U.S. citizens to consume. Um, and they're able to label it still as uh, made in the USA or a domestic product. So there's a lot of concern about that. And um, first of all, we're really honored that they asked us to participate. And I think that we were there to represent basically what the end result is when you start allowing chicken from China, um, even though this would be, as they say, U.S. raised, who knows really what's going to happen once the chicken gets over there. Um, and since they haven't identified whether or not it's processing of the chicken that's the problem or raising of the chicken that's the problem, there's no reason for us to, to say that this is a safe and healthy thing. Um, and over there, uh, or at the Washington briefing, also with us, um, Bettina Siegel, who was a um, instrumental in the uh, pink slime uh, debacle, oh, yeah. if you remember that, um, the processed protein. Uh, she was um, instrumental in, in having that. Uh, changed, so that's no longer part of our uh, daily consumption. Um, and she's very involved in products that go into school lunches. And so she was there with a couple of uh, her colleagues discussing how this chicken was going to be processed and put into school lunches in the USA. And 
We also had Dr. Peter Lee, who is amazing. He is from China, and um, he knows that uh, country very well. He, he specializes in, in Chinese farming, and he, he's very aware of the appalling safety record for the poultry farms in China. And we also had Barbara Kowalczyk who works with the Center for Foodborne Illness. She also presented, and it was a lot of powerful people there. And, uh, and not, many, not many groups like yours, though. No, no. we <laughs> They were all what I consider to be more professional. And here the, the <laughs> so you were right. the voice of the people at the table. Yeah, we, yeah, we, comfort our, we comforted ourselves by saying well, they don't expect that much from us because we're... The, you know we're the real people, so <laughs> although although a, we did kick ass, to the fake people there, yeah. <laughs> uh, I, no, I think we presented well. I think we 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 showed our, our ourselves to be um, knowledgeable in what we were doing. Uh, and while we were there, we also had some individual meetings with different congressional aides and Senate aides, and we got a lot of um, really good feedback and a lot of people who were really willing to help us move things forward, um, which I think is going to be really important. In, in in the road that we're now going to have to travel from here on out, those legislators are going to be incredibly important to us. Yes, because now the real work begins. You thought you were done. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, it seems like every time we stop to take a breath, yeah. you, you, you know, realize the depth of this and, and what has to be done to ensure that it, uh, that there's a future for these uh, for the settlement and, and the new guidelines. And, and by the way, uh, could you enumerate what was resolved in the settlement? Well, um, you know, there's several parts of it. Everybody, I think, that's read the read it knows that um, they settled. It was settled for six point five million dollars, which seems like a lot of money on one hand seems like almost nothing on the other i always say that's a couple people's christmas bonus but we were we were never going to take down nestle we're never going to actually harm them financially especially since and this is another fight that needs to be fought another day how all the states and the government treat pets they are simply property they are not you cannot get any you know claims of um uh you know loss of companionship or pain and suffering so that's 6.5 million. Although it's paltry, it isn't because it is as much as it could be gotten. Even if the case was tried all the way, take a couple of years, go through appeals, and even won at that point, that's probably what it would be. No, no more than that. And with settling, we're a lot, we were able to get some stipulations, which if we had tried it and spent all that money and time and won, they would be under no compulsion to have any stipulations. So, uh, so the 6.5 is within that is, um, you know, all the fees and everything, but there's money set aside for product refunds. Uh, besides the ones they're going to give, they've, they've said they've already given out 700,000 in product re- refunds. So, uh, but any new ones would come from this fund. There's money set aside for healthy screenings. Um, and as, as we were told a lot of times, we had a very slim chance of getting a class certified in order to even move ahead. You know, we had a hard time understanding that, but because every state has different laws and every pet had a different, slightly different experience, uh, I think that it was accurate. Um, mm. now the rest of the money, um, the illness and death claims, you know, according to all the figures, all the calculations and extrapolations, uh, the best scenario is that all of those illness and death claims, all of the 
uh, expenses that, you know, cremation, medicine, all that could hopefully be paid at 100%. And, um, so people would at least so, be reimbursed for their uh, veterinary bills and. Right, right. So we, so there's, you know, so there's a very reputable third party, uh, claim administrator that's going to send out, uh, other things. They called it a robust program of, uh, how they're going to notify people. And we've, you know, heard the publications it'll be in and the, the websites and, and, and on. It's, I think the, you know, the best that can happen. And then as far as the, um, stipulations, they did already put a lot of those into place. They, they tout there that there, you can trace the chicken jerky from egg to treat one supplier, one manufacturer and regular inspections testing for a long list of of contaminants including anything new that the FDA comes up with now this doesn't let them off the hook in any way with the FDA and you know if they would if they were to um breach any of this you know they'd be in breach of a court order which would be very bad for them did they make any or give you any indication at all as to how they're going to uh, control quality in China well the you know they I believe they said they're they're partial owners of this one source. So they will be able to trace back each everything too. They will be in you know control of the feed and the raising of the chickens, the slaughtering, all of it is the intention of this stipulation. One of the one of the stipulations is that they're made in China has to be clear, clearly labeled and it specifically says it has to be as big and bold as any of their made in the USA claims. And it definitely has to be bigger than their, the things that are in the same package, like, uh, a, you know, company of Switzerland or manufactured for wagon train in St. Louis, Missouri. So, uh, as far as we are told, the current bags that are on the shelves in the stores, when this becomes, uh, final, so this is not final yet. It's been settled by the parties, but the uh, court has not approved it. So that's more than a month away. And then I think, uh, another month for, you know, more court things. Um, but at that point, they will have to pull that packaging and replace it with uh, stuff that has better better um, labeling. Thank you. With stuff that has better labeling. Okay, good. Thank you. <laughs> I know the job is never done, so what's your next step? The first thing that we're doing is uh, working very closely with our lawyers and media so that we can make sure that everybody who needs to know that there is a fund available to them um, gets that information. Um, we have just sent out a challenge to Petco and PetSmart, who recently said publicly that they are going to discontinue the selling of pet food and pet treats made in China. However, they're both kind of taking their time. Uh, Petco said that they would have this phased out by the end of December, and PetSmart said uh, the end of March 2015. And we say, you know what? We want to see you go all USA. Let's make this a real 4th of July and get it done. Get it out of there by 4th of July. Um, we haven't actually heard back from them yet, but uh, <laughs> they have not heard the last month. Um, we also are petitioning Target to do the same, follow mm-hmm. the lead of Petco and PetSmart. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's our latest petition on change.org. We are as I said earlier, really going to continue to fight for the um, implementation of the Section 211 of the FSMA so that we can get those point-of-sale warnings out there. And by the way, that is not limited to 
pet food, pet treats, pets of any, this is everything that is under FDA um, ruling, anything that they're investigating. There's all kinds of things that the FDA has considered um, generally recognized as safe that they're now reinvestigating and maybe deciding that, hey, this isn't really safe. So that would pertain to all of those things. And then another really, really big issue for us and one that we're going to be partnering closely with our legislators is country of origin uh, labeling laws. The the rule in the United States is if you have 51% domestic ingredients, you could have up to 49% imported ingredients and still call it a domestic product and not have to label that in any way. So we don't find that acceptable, especially if they're importing proteins, um, you know, from Asia. I'm so glad you pointed that out because I have seen uh, around the web some comments from people who really should know uh, a little more than they do, saying that it's not possible for something to be made in the USA and not be 100% USA ingredients. Oh, no. That's yes, not cool. Yeah, thank you for that. And I'm they, glad you... Uh, that's something, again, that. going into this, we did not realize that. All these little surprises. And that's why I say this work is never done. Okay, did you uh, want to give a quick shout-out to the other co-founders? Sure. Our group is, uh, we're a team. It's not the Terry and Tracy show by any means. Um, our other admins who have been there since day one are uh, Robin Pierre, Ray Parker, Steve Papanick, and Kaylee White. Kaylee White doesn't even have a victim. She's just devoted to this subject. And we all have different roles to play. And there's been people very active in our group that we couldn't do without. And there's been people, hundreds and hundreds, who have come and gone, come and gone. Um, so uh, we appreciate each other. And I know me personally, I would never want to let this little group down. So that's one reason that I keep going. Um, plus, so, of course, so all the victims. I have, I have a quick question for you. This, this little group that you have, um, how many people would you say have... Uh, been involved in your group in what way uh, as the administrators or no no just coming in in any capacity whatsoever because they were either um, part of the group for a while uh, or had a problem with uh, chicken jerky treats yeah it's hard to say what we did is as we were evolving we made animal parents against pet treats made in china we made it a closed group because we wanted it to be an action group Mm -hmm. we wanted it to be a place where we could um, give instructions help people uh to actually do things. Mm-hmm. And so it's closed, but, and it says on there that we have over 7,000. We have many, many more than that. Facebook does not count them. We'll get hundreds in a day and it'll add two. Um, so we're, I'm sure we're over 10,000. Um, we also have a public page where we felt the need to be able to give out other information besides chicken jerky, but about pet treat and food. So we call it Animal Parents Against Pet Treats Made. Pet treats and food made in China. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's a wonderful public page. Tracy is kind of the main administrator there. We all are, but she's really behind the, um, behind it. And I think Tracy, does it have more than 14,000? Oh, we're over 17,000 page followers now. Yeah. It's, it's a very good group and, and people, Get so much information there. I, I, I think that one will go oh. on forever. Yeah, that's great because there's your public education effort. Right. Yeah. So and thank you too. Thank you, Mary. Um, you know, we've followed your blog and stuff since day one. Well, actually, Tracy has and, and others. Um, and we really appreciate that you would give us this opportunity to, t- to talk about our issue. Well, I can't thank you enough, uh, Terry and Tracy 
and the four other co-founders <laughs> uh, and the pet parents involved for all the years of work, years of work, and all those others associated with animal parents against pet treats made in China uh, have done to keep pets safe from toxic treats. So thanks for spending time on our show. Oh, Thank you so much. Pleasure to be here. And to the audience, thanks for listening.